Welcome to Get Gig Ready. If you're a music maker emerging or early in your career, or even a veteran looking to brush up on the basics, we are here to get you close to some amazing local talent to help amp up your skills. Get Gig Ready is presented by City of Ride, Lane Cove Council, the Live Music Office, Music New South Wales, and 2SER, with support from Akora University. Today, I'm joined by hip-hop producer Rotorus, who, in his own words, makes hip-hop music for smart folks. Rotorus, let's talk about that. What does that mean? What is the tagline, hip-hop for smart folks? Yeah, so I ended up with a tagline called hip-hop for smart folks or hip-hop for smart people, purely because I want my music to be layered and nuanced and picked apart by, you know, people uh, who have time to pick that apart. So I guess I'm just targeting um, those people. Yeah, I guess the first thing that I wanted to kind of kick off is is what got you into hip hop? Because I think that understanding the hip hop for the smart people thing, there are so many socially conscious hip hop performers out there. And I'd be really interested how that journey into that musical field kind of lent to that inspiration for you. Well, I think primarily because I got into hip hop from Lupe Fiasco, who was just so layered and so cerebral and just wanting to have that extra layer. It's like a gobstopper. I just thought of it as a gobstopper where you can just, you listen to it once. Okay. You, you think you kind of get the idea maybe. Um, and then you kind of just re-listen, re-listen and hopefully you get, pick up little things that you didn't pick up before. Okay. I meant this or she meant that. So I just like that layering aspect and the replayability aspect of it. So I think that's what drove me into this direction. Yeah, I think the replayability is a really interesting thing because so often there's this association, particularly with how much hip hop is dominating pop music at the moment, um, that we kind of have a lot of stuff that can feel a little lowest common denominator. And that's almost like kind of degraded a little bit of the general impression of hip hop's social consciousness. So I really like that idea of having all of the layers that you can pick away from it. I guess, you know, reaching for those layers and wanting to pick things apart, be cerebral, as you say, like Lupe Fiasco. How do you go about choosing what things to be cerebral about? Is it a clinical choice where you come in and you think to yourself, you know, this is an issue that's important that I should address? Or is it stuff that's you're passionate about? Is it emotion driven despite having that cerebral edge, I guess, is the question. Funnily enough, it is actually emotionally driven a lot of the times um, because the topics that I end up writing about is stuff I'm actually passionate about. So I pick a topic and I am clinical in, in a sense because I, I write down things I want to mention and then I write somewhat non-linearly. I might write a couple of lines and like, okay, I'll stash that away. I'll stash this particular observation away. And then I sort of thread things together and it sort of uh, coagulates uh, in some way. Yeah. So I, I do, it, it does stem from an emotion of some sort, like whether it be vegetarianism or whether it be, you know, fake news or what what have you, it sort of comes from a reaction that I have personally. Yeah, I guess with uh, some things like uh, pseudoscience and fake news being a big deal in the modern day, how do you keep yourself from like being disheartened when it feels like the general public kind of isn't getting the message or does that help just drive the passion further for you? It, it is a challenge. I think we're all facing that now. Uh, the challenge, it can be disheartening, uh, but you know, you sort of try and channel that in a positive way and try and make observations and try and point uh, a point of mirror yeah, um, yeah. to people that might already know or people who think they know and help them reflect. And for example, my song, I'm Right Both Sides, I was personally angry and I definitely have a stance towards that matter of, you know, fake news and, you know, uh, misinformation and so on. But I wanted to humanize it because I have, 
I love people on both sides. There's no doubt about it. So I just wanted to um, have a, a pointed conversation about the topic and reflect and point, give a mirror or a, or a surface to talk about. Yeah, I guess the other thing that kind of is really interesting is going back to the point about still having passion for the things you write about is that it's it's so hard to have that kind of separation between the emotion and the clinical side of things because, as you say, there are people that, like, you know that are on the other side of issues that you talk about and it can be, you know, important to, like, reach out to those people. I guess, uh, continuing on from there, when it comes to big deal topics like, you know, misinformation, uh, like... Uh, I guess, our food supply chains coming off the back of vegetarianism and veganism. How much do you feel you need to be informed when you're writing songs that are for smart people? Like, is there a research process that goes into your lyricism? Uh, definitely. I For most songs I do write about, I try and verify things. I try to, um, basically, it's a list of bullet points. I have like three three sections in my notebook or whether it be on my um, on my computer or whether I'm writing. I split that into three sections. I have bullet points, things I want to talk about, um, the actual meat of the songs, the lyrics, and the discard pile of stuff that didn't quite make it. It's like the cutting room floor. So I do piece things together a lot of the time, not always. But yeah, I, I do I do sort of combine the two and uh, let it let it form uh, crystallize over time. Yeah, I guess what is that fact-checking process for you? Because for someone who brands yourself as music for smart people, like I guess there's got to be a standard that you hold yourself to. Does it have to be like academic rigor or is it just uh, you know, having confidence in the information that you think you're presenting? Like where is that line for you in terms of accuracy? That's a little hard to answer, I think. Uh, <laughs> I, I do I do if I'm if I'm stating a fact, if I if I'm wanting to convey a fact, I do look that up. Um, other things are based on personal experiences, like my upbringing as a Hindu Indian person in Australia. Like those things are based on observation rather than like scientific fact. So yeah. it, it is it is a balancing act, I suppose. Um, but yeah, like I just want to clarify that not all my music is just dry, boring facts. <laughs> you know what oh, I mean? Oh no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't suggest as such. It's just like I, I think it's really interesting. You know, when we we when we start to tackle with these big deal issues. Uh, in music that like, you know, there'd be a great irony in having a song about misinformation that was full of misinformation because you didn't do the legwork. And that's why I think it's really encouraging to like hear that you have these processes that you kind of go through. And, um, you know, jumping back to that in terms of like the music still being exciting and engaging, I don't imagine having listened to your music that there's any barrier for you in the hip hop community with people coming in and being like, oh, is that the guy that writes nerd music? Like that just doesn't seem like a thing that happens to me. But am I wrong? Was there ever an experience where you did felt like people weren't connecting because it was, you know, getting too clinical? Uh, well, I don't think I don't think most listeners that listen to me know f everything about me, uh, necessarily my background. So... I'd, I'd like to think no, but having said that, I have been, uh, I have had a couple of experiences where, you know, you look like someone who fits this mold without having listened to what I've actually got to say on, on wax. So it has, uh, it has impacted me, I, I suppose, but I try not to let that distract me and sort of like work towards what I want to make, I suppose. Yeah. I guess in, in terms of avoiding those distractions, what are some of the things that like important to you about keeping involved in that community despite challenges you know why engage uh with 
other people producing hip hop, other people listening to hip hop other than just like put the music out and kind of leave it be? Uh, it's just fun. That's just yeah. the, the communal aspect of it. And there's a lot of exchange of ideas, which I really enjoy, whether it just be purely on music, musicality or um, lyricism or how to construct things. I mean, that's part of it. Uh, with the COVID lockdown, it hasn't helped, of course. But overall, <laughs> this just the interaction is fun. It's challenging, as in new ideas are presented. It's like, okay, I didn't think about it that way, but I can see where you're coming from. Um, you know, it is it is uh, confronting at times, but hopefully uh, it's all, also progressive at the same time. Yeah, I think you've hit on what I was kind of like trying to poke at there, which is the idea that, you know, with you having this music that you can pick apart in all of these layers, that one thing that at least I feel hip hop is really known for is having these very defined parts of its toolkits, you know, the different types of flows that people use, the different types of beats. There's a lot of uh, knowledge and I guess literature to the catalogs of ideas that people have. I think it's kind of fun having hip hop for smart people in a field like hip hop, which has so much of that room for people to grow and understand the technicality of it, Mm. but still have so much emotion. Like how much of uh, producing music for you is that learning experience? Do you always try and find some level of innovation or inspiration from another artist for every song? Not necessarily for every song, but I think that is an underlying theme. Um, a lot of my music and like my my work is driven by me just trying to learn, whether it be learning how to produce a song myself, le- learning how to structure a song in a way that is song-like, which is something I'm still learning uh, to make it, to learn about the craft of songwriting itself, um, whether it's uh, mixing it a certain way. There's some something that I'm trying to learn or achieve um, with every, every song, uh, whether it's on a granular basis of a song itself or whether it's a longer term goal of improvement. Yeah. I, I suppose in, in terms of producing things for yourself, um, we've spoken about music production a bunch of times on this show, but what is the kind of core freedom to you having both the lyricism and production under your own wheelhouse? You know, what, uh, what do you enjoy about getting actually into the nitty gritty of making all of the sounds in a song. I think there's a lot of satisfaction to be gained from knowing that you made made the creative decisions and you had the control to make those creative decisions. I, I think it is um, a challenge at the same time because everything's on your shoulders, but it's also freeing in some ways because you're not reliant on any other team or anyone else to sort of shape what you want to make. You have a lot of creative control and I think the contentment of knowing like, okay, I made that. I made most of those sounds. I picked most of those sounds. It's not necessarily perfect, but it's, it's what I ended up creating on that day. And I'm happy about that. There's, there's a, there's a little level of, um, yeah, satisfaction. Yeah. I guess, uh, the, the flip side to that though would be, how do you hold yourself accountable to make sure that you're still putting stuff out? Is that important to you or is it just go with the flow as it kind of comes to you? That's a very interesting question you bring up because accountability is a huge, huge factor. I've, made a whole bunch of stuff and I never release it. Or it's, I think this is a common thread that a lot of other creatives face. They start something, they don't finish it. So in the last few years, I suppose, um, I, I've had a number of strategies. One is to uh, shoot, then aim, which is like, okay, I'm putting out a project. It's due out in six months. All right, I gotta, I've delivered that message out to the world. I can't, I can't not let them down. I can't let them down. So 
uh, that that's definitely be a, been a strategy um, where there's a consequence to you not following through. And in the last year, year and a bit, actually, uh, a couple of my music friends have been catching up every week over Zoom where we hold each, uh, we sort of track each other's challenges. There's a consequence if you set a challenge for yourself and you don't follow through. Um, so we've called this Beats and Soul where we just talk about random, you know, uh, musical ideas or things you're working on. And um, the consequence could be something like shave off your eyebrows or... <laughs> so hold on, before, oh, I, uh, was, I was thinking like we were talking business decisions here, but you have gamified music production. Absolutely. I love that. Absolutely. And it's once you announce it to someone, you can't, you know, let them down. There's a, there's a huge incentive to uh, follow through. I think fear works very well. <laughs> very well. Like shaving off your eyebrows or, uh, yeah, whatever it is. That's great. I mean, if it's not too, you know, incisive to the insides of that group, what is the uh, most memorable punishment that's come out of uh, anyone missing a deadline? There's a couple of tame ones, but one was um, going out in front of the library before, before lockdown, obviously, but, and singing. Uh, if like if you're not a singer, you have to go publicly perform, and you're not a singer, for example. Um, so things like that. It's just uh, what we've done. Oh, that's really great. That's such a fun idea. I suppose. Like, how did that first come about? Was it just something that kind of popped up because you and other musicians in your circle were seeing each other not being accountable? You know, I yeah. Where did that idea come from? I'm not actually sure. Actually, it just popped up one day, I guess, a few years ago, and it sort of kept going. I've done a lot of challenges like this where I've whether gone running or running for a month or playing made a beat every day for 30 days or what have you. I've done a number of these challenges and just the incentive of I cannot fail. I cannot sort of let them down. So, yeah, it just popped up the last few years and it's worked really well. I mean, that's something that I guess for me has been really useful as well. I haven't done like the punishment games idea. That's amazing and I love it. And I'm probably going to have to wrangle some people into into that conspiracy. But I think, yeah, having other people to hold you accountable, even if they're not explicitly working on the project with you, has been useful for me. And it sounds like yourself for so many years as a creative. So that's really, really, really great. I guess the last thing that I wanted to touch on before we leave is that you have sent us a feature track uh, for the show this week uh, that you mentioned, I'm Right Both Sides. Could you kind of tell us a little bit more about that song and what people can expect to hear in it, both you know, in terms of what it means, as you were mentioning, but also how it came about? It was very much a product of uh, the pandemic. It was based on observations I noticed about conveying your ideas in a way that became antagonistic, where you might have the intention, you might think you're right, uh, but you, you are not, it, it's a complicated track in the sense that, um, I wanted to humanize it rather than just be a pure venting track. I want it to be able to be interpreted from any side, whether you're a scientist or whether you're a flat earther. If you lo look at the lyrics or the, the chorus, it's intentionally ambiguous. It's intentionally layered where it could be interpreted as I'm correct because I'm just correct. Or I, it's my corner of the world. It's my uh, part of the world where I can write whatever I want or it's inciting a fight like I'm right here come on let's go so it it, it was intentionally um, trying to vent my frustration and the frustrations of all, all people so I think it was united in the frustration 
yeah, I think that that's basically what the track was trying to convey. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us here on Get Gig Ready this week, Retiras. And of course, if people want to check out uh, your stuff, we'll have links up on the podcast. And you can also find uh, Through the Window, which was a feature track that you gave to us for the last season of the show. Uh, and that is still up there if people want to go check that out. So thank you so much again for helping us out here on Get Gig Ready. Thanks for having me. Language warning on this one. This is I'm Right, Both Sides. As I scroll through my feet, you can catch me tripping. Off messages I read, I smell the lies, but stay sniffing. No time to go throw the hands. Wanna throw hands in the damp clock. Your pants are calling me your hands. While it burns, but man's not cut. I'm right, cause I'm motherfucking right, yeah. I'm right, cause I'm motherfucking right, yeah. I'm right, cause I'm motherfucking right here. I'm right, no motherfucking light here. I'm right, cause I'm motherfucking right, yeah. I'm right, cause I'm motherfucking right, yeah. I'm right, cause I'm motherfucking right here. I'm right, no motherfucking light. I got so much knowledge and overwhelming proof. Y'all just wanna be right, not really know the truth. Marching to the orders all together with your troops. Soldier and your lack of thinking made your brain into a soup. How much research have you really done into the topic? Why you motherfuckers get off all this photoshopping? Do you like the feeling of the buzz from the power? He's a gilded folk to go and stick into your socket. Your argument is made of vellum. I can smell your cerebellum. You incompetent buffoons are worse than a Douglas Renum. Have you ever thought about the consequences? Life must be wonderful given your six senses. Keep selective memories, contribute to killings. In this little story, I'm the hero, not the villain. Part of the Avengers and I'm justified to do so. Make yourself at home and broken logic in your loopholes as i scroll through my feet you can catch me tripping off messages i read i smell the lies but stay sniffing no time to go throw the hands wanna throw hands in the damp clock your pants are calling me your hands while it burns but man's not cuts i'm right because i'm motherfucking right yeah I'm right, cause I'm motherfucking right, yeah. I'm right, cause I'm motherfucking right here. I'm right, no motherfucking light here. I'm right, cause I'm motherfucking right, yeah. I'm right, cause I'm motherfucking right, yeah. I'm right, cause I'm motherfucking right here. I'm right, no motherfucking light, light, light.